Hello and welcome to And Why Not, the movie podcast from the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine, and each episode I'm joined by a guest to talk about a movie they love and see where the conversation takes us from there. For this episode, I'm joined by Top 10 of Anything podcast co-host Pav to discuss the 2017 Hugh Jackman musical extravaganza, The Greatest Showman. Whether you're a regular listener or joining us for the first time, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy the film talk, and as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the And Why Not Facebook group, or wherever you see this episode posted. And now, with an advance warning on spoilers and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer. attention. You're all dismissed. Bankrupt. Better luck with your next job. I am not a stranger to the dark. <sighs> this is not the life I promised you. Not even close. Because we don't want your broken parts. Girls, I think I've had an idea. Look out, because here I come. T. Barnum, at your service. I'm putting together a show. And I need a star. Every one of us is special. And nobody is like any one of us. That's the point of my show. Bertie, showtime. can't just run off and join the circus. Why not? I mean, you clearly have a flair for show business. For show business? Mm-hmm. I've never heard of it. Because I just invented it. Hello, Pav. How are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you? Very pleased to be here and very excited. Very excited to have you on. It's it's weird to be sort of looking at you and engaging with the conversation because I've listened to the episodes of the pod, but... It's weird to be this side... It's weird to be the passenger, not the driver. Yeah. I'm not a very good passenger, I'll tell you that right now. Okay. <laughs> I like being the driver. I like being in control. So, you know, just just be warned if I start taking over or whatever. Just, no, that's just fine. Carry on. <laughs> I'm not just a great rain. driver, so if you need to grab the wheel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but how's things in the land of... Uh top 10 podcast it's it's good it's good we're um we're busy we've just come back off our uh not summer break if you like we have a two-week break so we're sort of thick into recording episodes and um and just just trying to get good content out there you know good interesting top 10s with good interesting guests um and just having a laugh that's basically what it's all about that's it that's it like i say um yeah i've discovered it fairly recently when you had Helen O'Hara on and 
just been binging back catalog now. Yeah, like, am I really interested in this top ten? It's like, yeah. fuck it, I'll listen to it. It's like, shit, I am interested in it. But the thing is, is that it it definitely is. It's everybody's interested in. I think it's not necessarily what somebody's top ten is. It's whether you agree. Like, so I've, the amount of times we've had messages saying, "Well, I didn't agree with your number seven. That's ridiculous. <laughs> How could you have put that in there?" Do you know what I mean? I'm, I've done it with Neil. I've done it with Neil with the movie vehicles where he didn't have um, Ecto One even in his top ten. Yeah. And I still berate him with that now. I still, every so often, I'll just say to him, Ecto One, not in your top 10. What are you even thinking? I mean, that is just ridiculous. So it's, I think it's that thing that is not necessarily what the person's top 10 you're listening to. It's just how you react to the fact that you say, well, I wouldn't put that in there. Or yeah, I agree with that one. Or that shouldn't be number one. That should be number four. And I think everyone just, I think they enjoy that little bit of, um, uh, just the fun of playing along. Yeah. And yeah. It's so easy to forget the obvious ones as well, though, isn't it? Absolutely. The amount of times when you put a shout out in an episode and you're like, what are your top tens? And I've replied and they're like, oh shit, and exactly. <laughs> like, I, I now realize I'm at 15, but. <laughs> well, you will find out when you, when you come on the pod and we work out whatever the top 10 is going to be, I guarantee that what you'll do is when you'll say, right, I'll, I'll just compile my top 10, you're probably right on your piece of paper one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then you'll end up with 30 different things on there. And you've got to then try and whittle those down into 10. And again, I guarantee when you come on, you'll say, well, this was really hard. You know, I, I had about 30 things on my list. And that's what will happen is, and, and every, which you'll do it once for us. And hopefully again, when you come on the second time and the third time for us, we got to do it every week. I know. And it's a nightmare because there are times when you just look and you think I've got 50 things on this list. How am I going to get this down to a 10? It's, it's that thing as well, isn't it? Wanting to get something a little bit obscure and clever and maybe, but then being like, but do I really love it? <laughs> that's the thing. And the thing is, as, as anybody that's listened to all any of our, well, all of our music ones, I've got a very conservative vanilla um, taste in music. So there's nothing that's really like cool about my choices of music. Whereas Neil enjoys a bit things that are a little bit more different and normally our guest is completely different whereas i'm choosing things that are very middle of the road very straight i don't like radiohead i'm not a big foo fighters fan i don't like pink floyd i don't like led zeppelin so all the cool bands are the bands that i, I just don't enjoy but give me some john denver and give me some david soul and i'm happy see i from working in HMV, I think you sort of broaden your horizon of music wise because we were quite lucky. We had people who were into different things. So I discovered yeah. like the band Love and Big Star and all that. Never heard of it, them. <laughs> at, the same, at the same time, part of me is like, is it on the Footloose soundtrack though? Exactly. Exactly. You see, that's the thing. Did that's Kevin Bacon dance to it? Because if he didn't, I mean, <laughs> does it deserve to go on a list? The six degrees of Kevin Bacon again, is it? Is that what it is? That's it. I mean, I'd be terrible for most film ones because it would be Footloose at the top. Oh, would it? Oh, right. Okay. Whenever people are like, what's the greatest movie you've ever seen? It's like Footloose. Right. <laughs> it's like, what movie maybe... changed your life? Footloose. Or maybe we should do the top 10 Kevin Bacon films for you then. That might Can be... I have Footloose on there 10 times? <laughs> no, you can't. No, no. That We would never be able to talk about it like that. <laughs> well, you well, might be able to. I well, don't know. I mean, I've given away what my number one would be. So. <laughs> yeah. Although we do top 10 Kevin Bacon films, except for Footloose. Maybe Damn we'll it. do it that. <laughs> That'd be a big title, though. That might be. Yes, yeah, the foreign title for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an obscure French film. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, Neil would know that. He knows all the the French and Korean horror. He's he's well into stuff like that. But uh... 
That's cool. But, yeah. well, I mean, it's a bit different to the film we're talking about today, which it if is. anybody's seen the thumbnail, I never know why I bury the lead because anybody who clicks on the thumbnail will see. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're talking about The Greatest Showman. Um, so a little bit of info on the film, and I apologise. No, there shouldn't be any surnames on murder today. Um, written by Jenny Bix and Bill Condon, directed by Michael Gracie, uh, starring Hugh Jackman, Michelle Williams, Zac Efron, Rebecca Ferguson and Zendaya. Uh, released in cinemas on the 20th of December 2017 in the US and the 26th of December 2017 here. Uh, grossed $435,732,544 on an estimated budget of $84 million, according to IMDb. Um, usually I put in a Roger Ebert or a Barry Norman review, but sadly the film came out after both had died, so <laughs> I, I don't have a review for either of them. Um, so, and usually I use the review to kick it off, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> The, the only sort of other review I was aware of was the Mark Cabode one, and he wasn't impressed, so who gives a mm. shit? Um, yeah. But yeah, so sort of you picked the film. What are your memories of first seeing it? Well, it's um, we went, I think it was the day that it came out, because it was Boxing Day. Yeah. We went, myself and my wife went and watched it, and I'd seen the trailer. I'm, I, I really like Hugh Jackman. Obviously, the Wolverine movies, the X-Men movies, big fan of his, and... Uh, and I like a good musical as well. Yeah. I, I, you know, especially the old MGM Gene Kelly musicals. You know, I, I enjoy a good musical. And I sat there and we both sat there watching it. And I sat there with my arms folded all the way through it, not saying anything to my wife. My wife just carried on watching it. We came out of the cinema and she said, you hated that, didn't you? I said, what makes you say that? She said, because you had your arms folded all the way through it. She said, you hated it. I said, I fucking loved that movie. I said, and she, she looked at me and she said, have you been crying? I said, I cried all the way through that movie. And I think I know what, I think I've probably watched the movies. What was it? 2017, wasn't it? I've probably watched it at least 20 times in that since 2017. I've listened to the soundtrack. I don't know how many times. And I think I've cried every single time. And I don't know why I'm crying. Okay, because it is not, it is not, I'm going to, it's going to be weird. It is not a great movie. It's not a a unique movie. It's a movie that you've seen probably a million times before. Um, It's, it's a, they call it, I suppose they say it's a biopic, but I wouldn't hang your hat on the historical accuracy no, of the movie. I think P.T. Barnum was a very controversial character. Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, you're being very, very kind there. I think he was a bit of a shit. <laughs> well, I think yeah. If you, if you really want to really want to pick the bones out of it. Um, but obviously, Hollywood, don't they don't want Hugh Jackman to be portraying a bit of a shit. They want to portray someone who's very heroic and lovable and all that kind of stuff. But there is some kind of magic laced through every scene of that movie. And even now, I will I will listen to the soundtrack and I'll get lump in my throat on pretty much every song. When I if I try and sing along to it, that's when it'll get me. And uh, the amount of times I will watch the movie and be shaking my head through it while the tears are running down my cheek, going, "Why am I crying? What is it about this movie that is making me cry?" I honestly don't know. I still don't know to this to this day. See, for me, I'm a sucker for like a father children and their children kind of thing and so it's yeah. that bit at the end where he appears at the daughter's dance thing and i was like oh shit yeah, yeah. all right yeah and it's and the music is fantastic and i don't know if anybody has seen the um the videos on youtube 
of um I gotta try and get the lady's name right because she's got uh Keela Settle, Seattle, or whatever her name is, who played the 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 bearded lady. Yeah. Um and then there's also footage of Hugh Jackman and there's there's the whole crowd that do the singing and they're in like some kind of rehearsal room and I think they were doing the songs for the studio execs to try and get them to give the green light to the movie. And the story for one of them, Hugh Jackman sings from now on. And now his understudy was singing it to start with because he just had, I think it was something for skin cancer. They'd taken a biopsy off of his nose. So he had stitches on his nose and he was told he wasn't allowed to sing. Otherwise he'd split the stitches and have to go back. And so his understudy starts singing it and you can see Hugh Jackman is like just humming along to himself. And all of a sudden he just starts singing the whole chorus are all singing along and it just gets very emotional and they're just singing away. And then when they sing, this is me, that Keela settled does the same thing. And she is in tears while she's singing this because it means a lot to, you know, she is a big woman. So it's very much like, this is me showing you who I am. And it is just so emotional. And you can understand why the studio execs must have looked at that and gone, yeah, yeah, this is going to be a gold, yeah. gold mine. This is going to be fantastic. Yeah, because it took an impressive amount of money. Like I say, $435 million. That's an impressive for a non-MCU superhero James Bond franchise it, kind of movie. It did. But if I remember correctly, um, it bombed its opening weekend. Yeah. It absolutely bombed, and everyone's saying this is going to be one of the biggest bombs uh, of the year because nobody went and saw it over Christmas. But it then stayed in like the the top five, the top ten for weeks and weeks and weeks, and it just carried on making money, making money, making money to the point that it got to like nearly five hundred thousand, five hundred million worldwide. But I yeah. remember whatever podcast I was listening to the the when we came back off of like Christmas holiday. And they were saying, whoa, Hugh Jackman's new film. What an absolute turkey. It's like made no money at the cinema. It's really like it's just completely tanked. And how wrong they were. It just kept going and going and going. Well, yeah, because I can remember in Mark Camo's reviews, like there's not a memorable song in it. And then the soundtrack sold for, I mean, it was in the charts for years. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's just got such a great, there isn't a dud song on the soundtrack. There, There isn't. I do a bit of singing in, like pubs and clubs and that to, to backing tracks and that and i do the greatest show this yeah the first song and it is such a crowd pleaser everybody loves it as soon as that those first stomps sort of start at the start of the song everybody knows what song it is and they are just up for it it's a great song to start a night off it's really really good yeah well i mean you know you're onto something when it's used in every reality show advert <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> yeah and the other thing is is that like um the podcast that we've done before we did the top 10 one, uh, WTAF, uh, this country podcast, the American version of that, which is called Welcome to Flatch, yeah. uh, is written by Jenny Bix. That's right. I remember you saying um, on one of the episodes. Yeah. And we, we got to speak to her. Um, and it was weird because we were there talking about this country and the American version. But the first thing I had to talk to her about was The Greatest Showman. I thought, <laughs> oh, my God, I've got the person here that's one of the people that's the reason that I cry every time I watch the movie. So it was really interesting um, to, to chat to her about, obviously yeah. about, about that, to, to get to speak to somebody that was like involved in the making of it, but uh, just an amazing cast. That's the thing. And there's so many people in there that are great at everything that, that makes you sick. 
Yeah, I mean, like you say, you've got Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron, both really good all-rounders. I mean, in some ways, it's a shame that they've not really outside of X-Men and I'd say probably High School Musical films for Zac Efron. They've not really hit a niche yet where they're as big a superstars as they should. But obviously, Hugh Jackman's a big star, but yeah, yeah, it's like for most people, if you're like, name a Hugh Jackman film that isn't an X-Men one or The Greatest Showman, they're like... Um, it's... <laughs> It is tough. Well, one that was a big hit anyway, definitely. That's and it. You're, you're and, um, absolutely right about um, Zac Efron as well, but he's he's just one of those guys that's got good looks. Well, him and Hugh Jackman. I'd put Zendaya in that as well. Yeah. You know, they, they look great. They can dance. They can sing. They can act really well. They just like, they hit every branch of the talent tree, you know, as they fell down. That's it. Especially with Zac Efron, it's easy to forget how good an actor he is. When you look at the fact he came from the Disney studio, which I imagine they worked those kids fucking hard. In the Disney oh, absolutely. Studio. Um, but obviously he's done like the gross out kind of comedies. And he did that one with Robert De Niro, the bad grandpa, dirty grandpa, whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. One of the grandpa ones that. Yeah. And of, the, the, what was the Zac Efron one that he did with the neighbors? It was. Oh, it was bad neighbors here, wasn't it? It was called neighbors. neighbors in America because right. we have neighbors in this country. <laughs> right. They called it bad neighbors. <laughs> Just in case people were like this remake of the Australian, so weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just waiting for Jason Donovan to do a to do a cameo, <laughs> which is what the film was sadly lacking, in my opinion. But... I think so. I think Harold Bishop should have been there. That's that it. Just swept off some rocks. <laughs> yeah. That... <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's. I think you know Zac Efron is again. I kind of think if the pandemic hadn't hit, potentially there could have been something to build on with this, but mm. it it seemed to. But then I don't know how interested people were beyond. Sometimes you're so good in a film, people don't really want to see you in anything else. No, that is that is true. But I mean, I, I was looking at I was looking at the 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 cast list, and Michelle Williams. I think she's an Oscar winner, isn't she, Michelle yeah. Williams? Um, and another one again. I mean, she was singing, and obviously doing the the dancing and stuff. I know that Rebecca Ferguson, that played Jenny Lind, didn't do the singing. Um. I can't remember the name of the lady that did, but she was in this year's Britain's Got Talent, which I thought was a bit right. singing um, Never Enough, which I thought was a bit, seeing as she's been on one of the best-selling albums probably of all time, best-selling soundtracks of all time, her turning up in Britain's Got Talent seemed a bit of a... Yeah, this is like my thing with Strictly when they have people who've clearly got dance training on it. Exactly. much more interested if everyone was on a level playing field and we got... It's like because you can't tell me that this guy is going to be as good as this guy that was in a boy band. Exactly, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. Well, I don't normally watch Strictly, but um, they need to get Boris on there now. I think Boris that'd be the perfect thing for Boris is to get on Strictly. I don't know. It's, there's something about turning these people into jokes. Plus, given that he started his whole buffoon thing really on, uh, I got news for you, and that is true. Look how that turned out. That is true. Yeah, but uh, um, but yeah, I. I think it's it's got a great cast. The music is fantastic, um, and it's just got that little bit of gold dust. Uh, not strictly. It has because, like about you say, it's, yeah, it's it's not a very good film. No, if you strip it back, I mean, it's it, it kind of revels in. <laughs> one of my notes I wrote is this film's got the subtlety of a sledgehammer to the face. Yeah, <laughs> but it revels in that fact. In many ways, I don't know whether it's deliberate or not, or whether I'm just projecting something onto it. But it very much feels like a P.T. Barnum show. Yeah, and it's dazzling yeah. you with all this stuff, but at the core level of it, you're just being con. It also, as well, it seemed to me like this is a movie that they are making so that they can do 
a West End show. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's made to be, you know, just down the road from the Lion King and Hamilton. That's it, yeah. it's just it's just gonna be there. They're gonna do a greatest show, uh, or the greatest showman West End Broadway show. Clean up, you know, add a couple more new songs. It's almost set up for that kind of thing, and it's 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 got. I think there's there's certain bits in it that. Like I say, it's got this little sliver of magic going all the way through it, but it's also got bits in it that you know you know how it's going to end. You know that it's not historically accurate, yeah. um, and it's it's got bits in it that you think, well, that is obvious. They've got bits. I think mean, I think the one bit that really I'm not like I say, it's not a perfect movie, and it is, uh, and it's in fact probably Mark Kermode is probably right with his assumption of it that it's it's not a good movie it's a bad movie but i think the fact that it's got the charm and i think as long as you don't look at it as a historical document you sort of park that and you just take it as it's a musical so it's a thing that's set in a real world that all of a sudden a full band is going to start playing while you're walking down the street and you're going to start singing and dancing that's that's kind of that's what a good musical should do you yeah, if, if you're not willing to suspend the disbelief of people exactly. are going to suddenly burst into song, then exactly. Because I mean, I generally have mixed feelings about musicals. There are musicals that I love, like Singing in the Rain is one of my all-time favorite films. Um, I loved Moulin Rouge, which this owes quite a debt to, I think. Certainly in its stylistic look, it's not exactly the same, but there's little hints of it. Certainly yeah. in the wider cityscapes and that. Yeah. Um, again, another one that went to the West End. Um, but to the point where I don't, I don't want to see it. I like the film. I'm not sure if I want to. <laughs> well, I've, I've, it's, it's that I've, weird thing. I said this story on one of the our podcasts, but two of my daughters went to go to the Moulin Rouge show and they left halfway through because <laughs> they said it was absolutely crap. They said they started doing songs that they weren't in the movie, like doing different versions of like Take On Me and stuff like that. And they were ready to, because they love Moulin yeah. Rouge. My daughters love it and they know it like word for word and every song. And they were expecting it to be like the movie um yeah. which i think is a, you know when you when you're going to transfer something over you expect it to be a certain thing and i think that's what they would have to do obviously you're not going to get hugh jackman and zach efron doing it but i think it would i think it would be a good um stage show i really do i think it's made for it but yeah because there was a P.T. Barnum stage show, wasn't there? But it's not this. It's there was something Crawford, else. I think. Yeah, uh, I think he did Dancing. the movie version as well. In the end, that's right. That's I think right. he did that, and I think Burt Lancaster did the TV movie. But so I was doing a little bit of nosing around on P.T. Barnum, it's like in other things. There you go. It was this, and at the same time, Billy Zane played him in an episode of Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> oh, really? Did he? I didn't he, know that. He was, he was a more accurate P.T. Barnum, I think. Oh, that he was a bastard. <laughs> oh, really? Really? Oh, I'll have to look. I'll have to look. But in in that you know, fun, campy DC comics, TV series kind of way. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, um, I, yeah, I, sometimes you sort of look at musicals and you're like, you're just doing this to get it on the stage, aren't you? Because you know that's where the real money is. But yeah, because I mean, you have Moulin Rouge, Chicago, and then musicals sort of died off for a bit. You had occasional bigger hitters like Rock of Ages and that, but sort of struggle to think of recent musicals that have had the impact like British Showman did and Moulin Rouge before it and what you mean as a movie yeah um 
Yeah, I don't think I, I think the greatest showman is probably the last. I mean, look, people listen to this are going to be going, "What about such and such? You yeah. morons!" Because <laughs> you know, if you like thinking of your top tens, you know, I just have one that's blanked my mind. But I don't suppose you can count Hamilton, can you? Because that was on Disney Plus. Yeah, it's not a film yet. It's not is a it? film. It's he's been waiting. Such, but... I suppose in the Heights, but that didn't sort of no captured the public's imagination when partly not because as... of how it was released. Yeah, but it's um. Yeah, it's just, I mean, like I say, in 2017, to release a musical is a gamble. To release a musical that's not based on anything, an intellectual property is probably even more of a risk. So that it did so well. It's impressive. I think if you've got a good set of songs, um, sort of, well, as much as Mark Kermode said, none of the songs are memorable. Um, Which is weird because it opens with a banger and it ends with that same banger. So it yeah. bookends the film with that. So it arguably hits you with its catchiest song, whether it's its best song or not, but it's definitely its catchiest. Mm. well from now on which is the song that's near the end yeah that's that's my favorite song of it the way that it it builds and that's the one that that will have me crying every yeah every time um but it's like i say i can't put my finger on it i don't know why it is like i don't know i think the reason that i wanted to talk to you about this movie i could have easily talked about star wars and we could have been here for five hours talking about See, i, I had a list in my head it's like it's either gonna be star wars greatest showman or robin and prince of thieves and i was like right. I'm fine with all three of those <laughs> it could have been well then maybe i'll come back and i'll do those other two as well because i could talk for hours about all of those yeah um but i but this one i think also because in my in the, the top 10 podcast i think the greatest showman is the one piece of art if you like that i've spoken about on more episodes than anything i think even in a couple of sports episodes of some reason <laughs> made a little comment about the greatest showman because i don't you know it it just it's all encompassing it's that it's a part of my dna now like star wars has been for like 45 years yeah that's i mean for what it lacks in story it more than makes up for in other things um the scene with him and Zac Efron in the bar where he's trying to tempt him into coming into business with him. The choreography in that scene yeah, the is side. amazing. Yeah. And the guy who plays the barman in the background was just a tiny part of some of the best reactions to things that are going on. Absolutely. I mean, it's funny because when was it? It would have been a couple of years ago, one Christmas. I was doing a, I was doing a gig and um, a friend of mine um, was in the in the crowd and I knew that he knew the Zac Efron part and I had the backing track of it and I said do you want to come up and have a go so I got the other microphone and what I didn't realize was that he knew it so well he didn't have to look at words and he was doing the acting as well so when I was singing he was reacting to me doing the the Hugh Jackman part and it totally threw me off because I thought <laughs> I thought right he's going to be looking at the words I'm going to be looking at the words just so we don't like mess it up and I'm looking at him and he's emoting and he's looking at me and he's shaking his head when I'm singing. And I thought, whoa, 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 whoa. We're in a little pub here. We're not, we're not. That's enough. Get then. back to your seat. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fantastic. It worked so well. And I said to him, that is fantastic. So much so that when, uh, last summer we, I did a little thing in the, in the, the Abbey grounds in Sirencester and he was there with his wife and he had a pair of shades on. And I thought, I'm going to get him back now because like, he threw me that night. So I said, ladies and gentlemen, I said, wow, Zac Efron's here, ladies and gentlemen. And people were looking, going, what, where, what, what? 
so much so that when he came up to me and he said you fucker he said why did you do <laughs> while he was talking to me this person came up to him and said excuse me mr efron can i have a photo with you please <laughs> and he went he went yeah okay because <laughs> i said it's weird the camera makes you look different i said but ladies and gentlemen zach efron oh my god and people oh my god oh my god so somebody walked away with a picture of him with who he thinks is I can imagine him going to his mate going look i got a picture of zach efron they're going that's not zach efron He's like, no no it is the camera makes him look different <laughs> exactly exactly but he I went away thinking, yeah he went away thinking that he met zach efron that zach so what you saying is you had your own little pt barnum moment just a little bit of a pt barnum moment yeah it was i all i needed was the top hat and i'd have been sorted it was oh my god it was so funny pt barnum at your service I am putting together a show, and I need a star. You want people to laugh at me? Well, they're laughing anyway, kid, so might as well get paid. I see a soldier, no, a general, riding across the stage with a sword and a gun and, and, and the most beautiful uniform ever made. People will come from all over the world, and when they see him, they won't laugh. They'll salute. Oh. Sir, you shouldn't be here. I'm sorry. I, who's doing this singing? It's you, isn't it? Sir, I have to ask you to leave. You are so talented, blessed. Extraordinary. Unique. I would even say beautiful. <laughs> Sir, please leave me alone. They don't understand, but they will. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the current, I mean, it's a shame that that bar scene's so good because it kind of makes the second one a bit later. The song's great, but it's kind of, we've been in a bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but like, that's what I mean. It's like every, I mean, to me, every song is either heartbreakingly beautiful or is it's just a good banger. It's a good yeah. stomper of a song. Um, and I, but I know what you mean about the little, there's, there's little moments that are very Moulin Rouge-esque. Yeah. The way that it's shot and the, and just certain little scenes that are. And, and that's not a bad thing because Moulin no. Rouge is a massive hit. I mean, oh, the back of Moulin Rouge, we've got Chicago, which I'm not a fan of Chicago, I must admit. But... No, I'm not. I love Moulin Rouge as well. I think Ewan McGregor is um, it, fantastic. It, it tends to be the fight for either a Moulin Rouge or a Chicago person, but I just. Oh, right. Chicago never did it for me. <laughs> no, I'm the same. Um, I'm the same. Plus, I know. I know it's a lot of existing songs, but um, Come What May and Moulin Rouge is a beautiful song. Yeah. Elephant Medley is fantastic. Yeah. Their version of your song. Your song. Is... Yeah, to the point where Elton John redid it. And it's like, yeah. it just sounds a bit wanky, Elton. It <laughs> does sound a bit wanky. Yeah. But then that's that's um, that sort of latter day Elton John, though. That's, yeah. uh... it's like, oh, something's popular on one of my songs. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't even, yeah. It's yeah. Like, What's that tiny dancer was used in the film when it went down really well in that scene? <laughs> I re released that several times. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna sing three lines from a song and then release it with Dua Lipa. That's what I'm yeah. gonna do. He said, "Yeah, yeah." I mean, again, the the quote that's often um, attributed to P.T. Barnum, but not a fool is easily pied with his money." There you <laughs> go. 
if, if people go. are willing to buy it. I mean, it's fine if you like it, and you know, that's, oh, yeah, that's your sort of thing. I'm, absolutely, absolutely. But it is just kind of like you know. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of trying to stay relevant, isn't it? When you're someone like, um, not that I, I don't want to slag Elton John off because I, I I love Elton John, but but it's sort of like it's you've got to try and find a way. And it, I suppose in the end, what it does is it 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 introduces the younger crowd. Yeah. To, I mean, three of his songs in one song. Because well, it's listen- either that or you're in a video on daytime TV walking around a garden centre belting out songs that aren't yours. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yes. And it looks a bit misty. We've yeah. all seen them Cliff Richard adverts from like the early 2000s. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Oh, those were the days. It's like, that's, that's how you know you've peaked in your career. It's like you're walking around a garden centre singing an old song <laughs> yeah, that you don't have yeah. to pay copyright on. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, they got to make their money somehow. That's it. And the old dears love it. So. Indeed. Yeah. I know from every Christmas when one came out at HMV, it's like one of the biggest sellers. Like, really? It's like, because this is here. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I, 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 like I've said, I think I said to you, is that I'm, I'm a lazy music listener. I'll quite happily listen to the same song a hundred times rather than just trying to listen to something that's new. Well, I'm and, the same. I realised till recently that I'd had them um, Bruce Springsteen's greatest hits in my car for two years solidly and hadn't changed it. Really? <laughs> just, it was like I it's I easy. I know yeah. all the songs on it and I love them. So that's it. I don't know whether it's because I just don't want to use the brain power to because I, I have that feeling that like your brain is like a is like a, an external hard drive. Yeah, it's only got so much space. So if you want to put something else in there, something has got to go. Yeah, and I'm worried that I'll put something in and then I'll forget how to tie my shoelaces up or something because that bit of information has been pushed out of my brain. So it's 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 every little bit of new music. But then saying that, the amount of music, um, and I'm not I'm not a big fan of any particular one music, but I love good songs. Same, like, I, I like what I like. I've got no time at all for music snobbery. Yeah, but today I, li- I heard, um, oh God, what is it? It's called uh, 2002 by Anne-Marie. Okay. Which is a song written by her and Ed Sheeran. What a banger. It's a fantastic <laughs> song. I'd never heard it before. And I started getting into this is I mean, this is a, this is a tangent, but I started getting into Taylor Swift. Right. Oh, the nine eighty nine album is a fantastic pop Oh album. my god. Is that the one that's got um is it Trouble or something in there? Um, oh, I don't know. I, I, that's I, the one with Shit, all the songs have gone from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what happens. But the the song that she made during the, the album she made during lockdown, folklore, uh, folklore, yeah. What an album! Oh my god, there isn't a bad song on there. And I thought, oh my god, am I turning into a Swifty? I don't believe this, you know. And I sort of went and said to my daughters, I said, I think I like Taylor Swift, and they said, oh, you should listen to like the Red Album and 1989. She said, 1989 is amazing. Um, we used to play them, obviously, when they came out, you'd play what was the new, and I was like, oh, really? People like this shit? And yeah. then we had a manager just kept putting 1989 on. And I was like, this is like great sort of it's mid-late 90s pop, pop music. Really good pop songs. And and you can't beat a really good pop song. No, Justin Timberlake does amazing pop songs. Yeah. yeah. George and Michael, if... amazing pop songs. Exactly. I've got, exactly. I've got no time for people that are like, you can't like that. It's manufactured pop shit. Yeah. It's like... And there's a reason why that works. Yeah, Pet Shop Boys, great pop yeah. songs. What have I done to deserve this? Is one of the greatest pop songs ever written, as far as I'm concerned. I watched the Aha documentary the other day. Beyond the big three, I'd forgotten oh, how right. good they really are. Oh right, it's like a really, really good documentary. The only problem I got with it is sometimes they have white subtitles on a white background. It's like what? Well, that's what? that's because they're not clever. 
I think they don't. I think apart from one, all of the interviews are in their native tongue. So, oh right, right. Which I was like, I know you can speak English. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not fair. That's not fair. But yeah, I think the trouble is like, what I look at is the fact that there are there are, I don't know hundreds of thousands of songs, probably millions of songs out there since songs became became songs, and there's probably I probably listened to one percent of them, and the amount of songs out there that. I haven't ever heard that would might change my life if I had yeah. heard them, you know, but I'm still lazy. I was still going whack on. But it's that thing when you discover it though, it's just. Indeed. It's that even warm like the, feeling. It's... <laughs> yeah. Music of today. I, I'm very, sorry. my my kids will say, you should listen to this song, dad. This is, or listen to this one. You might be able to sing this one at a gig. And I'll, I'll go, nah, you're all right. I'm not going to case in point. We had um, uh, a, a free festival a couple of weeks ago in Siren. Uh, and I was lucky enough to to sing on one of the stages in front of like four thousand people at four thousand of my home t- town. And um, the night before, my daughter said, um, "Oh, you should do um, Hold My Girl by George Ezra." I said, "I've never heard that song in my life." I said, "Do you really think I'm going to be able to learn it like less than twenty four hours when I've never heard it before? <laughs> Listen to it, and it's a really, really good song, really yeah. nice song." So luckily, I found the the backing track for it. And I did it on the night and it is a beautiful song. And I thought, wow, if my daughter hadn't said that, I would never have known that song existed. So how many other songs are there like that out there that I would think that's the best song I've ever heard in my life? Music's a weird, it's like, I'm a big Springsteen fan and there's a lot of Springsteen that has passed me by just because I've listened to it and it's not really gone in. But then you catch it one day, like this might be the greatest Springsteen song ever. It's like, why haven't I listened to this before? Oh my God. The other thing as well is like music with visuals. Yeah. It's like how well that works. So I was like, I don't like this song. Oh, well, actually, they're using it. It's used really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might actually like this song now. Yeah. I mean, all you need to do is go, go on YouTube and watch Springsteen live, and yeah, you will forever just be a fan of. I, I which which is as close as I'm going to get to Springsteen live now because I tried to get tickets and it's like, can we sell a kid? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say with the prices that they are. I said to my missus, I said I would love to see Springsteen, and then I saw the prices and I said. I'm never going to get the ceasefire. I'm very much, I saw him in 2012. So I'm very much, the, oh, you know, right. I, I've seen him. I'm happy with that, but it would be cool to see him again. Absolutely. Because um, I'm not a big gig person. I like, no, I'm the same. I always seem to have the people in front of me that got the bloody comp ticket. So they rock in 45 minutes into it, pissed out of their skull and ruin it for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I've always said if you could pick me up, put me in the middle of the auditorium, watch the gig, pick me up and take me home. I would love it. Yeah. It's the faffing of getting there, the faffing of having to queue up with loads of other people, then then wait hours for the band to start, and then the faffing of getting out, and then if it's somewhere like Wembley, having to stick in a queue in a car <laughs> for like four hours and not move. I was at Nebworth, um, whatever year it was, 96, was it, for Oasis? Yeah. When it was like two nights and it was 125,000 people each night. Um, and we went by coach and me and my mate, we went by coach from Swindon and we watched the gig, fantastic gig. It was absolutely amazing to watch Oasis in their like full pomp just before be here now came out, Yeah, got back on the coach, fell asleep, woke up and the coach was still stuck in the middle of like 20 <laughs> other coaches. And we never got back to Swindon until I think it was six o'clock in the morning. Jesus, It was a nightmare, but it was like, I mean, you young didn't give a, didn't give a shit then but it was like now i wouldn't i wouldn't put up with that i just start walking home 
I said, I would. I just think this is ridiculous. I said, early in my relationship with my wife, I, a woman I worked with was selling tickets to see Robbie Williams at Milton Keynes because she can go. And I was like, my wife loves to take that and Robbie Williams. I was like, so we'll go. And, you know, Robbie puts on a shirt. Yeah. But it was like the hottest day of the year. We were stood in a field. They put plastic down that clearly had cows on it before. So it reeked. My wife passed out during top loader. I didn't even notice. She just went limp in my arms. <laughs> <laughs> now, was that the night that Ant and Deck was there? Anything? No. Ah, um, that was the one that we went. We were at the Ant and Deck one. Uh, no, it was um, AB, uh, ABC. We were fucking amazing. Right. Because I was big into 80s music because i've always been like 10 years too late getting into music as well right so i just discovered this band called abc it's like yeah they've been around <laughs> for years mate yeah 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 it's like all right that's fine but if you heard of this duran duran <laughs> <laughs> but, um yeah she holds that against me that i didn't notice she'd passed out but yeah abc went um martin fry went off and came back on in the gold suit like, this is amazing yeah 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 oh the gold army jacket like, and everything top load of shit which i'd seen them at a small gig and they're really good but then I don't know. It might have been the combination of the heat, but then trying to get out of Milton Keynes at the end where everything looks a fucking same. Nightmare. Yeah, it was a nightmare. It's like, is it this way? Because that looks familiar. It's like, yeah, but also that looks familiar. It's like, but yeah, never, thing, never that... trust a town that's designed by a computer. Yeah, that is the thing that always like puts me off going to gigs. It's just... It is. It's the, it's the it's... faffing. The faffing. I hate the faffing. I'm like it with the cinema sometimes as well. It's like, do I really want to see that at the cinema? Or can I, I wait? Because I, yeah, you know, 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back. Trailers, which is fine, but then all the fucking adverts. <laughs> yeah. I think that, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I don't, I would hate to say that cinema is dead, but, but we were, myself and my wife were talking about it yesterday that is there any films that we would go and see at the cinema now? You know, because it, 45 days' time, it's on Disney Plus or on yeah. the streaming services. You know, Thor is on, uh, you know, Thor late like this week, isn't it? Yeah, sometime this week. So, yeah, I mean, I've reached the point with the Marvel films where I'm just going to wait for them to be on Disney Plus because they're just not doing anything for me at the minute. I completely agree. I've been, I, I was totally invested in the first three phases and Endgame. They me, peaked. That's the problem. Well, <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, where'd you go from there? Exactly. They've just been chasing it since. Apart from Star Wars, it's got the greatest scene in movie history, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. The the battle at the end. Yeah. Um, that's it. And, that's what we've been waiting ten years to see. Exactly, and that's what that's what Marvel have got right, and DC have got wrong. Yeah, Marvel built it up and made you care about the characters, and made you invested in the people that weren't there. That all of a sudden, spoilers if anyone hasn't seen Avengers Endgame, but um, all of a sudden, you know, a cap on your left or whatever yeah. it is, and that moment. And then the, you know, Avengers Assemble moment and all of that stuff. And Doctor Strange pointing his finger at Tony, you know, just this is the one. This is the one moment. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. One of my absolute favourite cinema moments was in that because we went with my wife and our two boys. And when Mjolnir flies and then comes back and Cap catches it, I just heard from the side of me, my youngest go. <gasps> exactly. Exactly. This is what it should be, and it's very rare that you get those moments in cinema now because that's it. There's been nothing other than potentially the three Spideys that yeah, when they come together at the end of No Way Home, which everybody knew was coming anyway. I don't know why they work so hard to bury the lead on it. No, no, but it's, it's, we all know it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. And the thing is, even now with any big movie now, like TikTok or YouTube, somebody will put the spoiler up. 
yeah. on there. And they don't even try and hide it now. They will put what the spoiler is in the title of a video, which always pisses me off. If you want to put yeah, it out there, I, that's fine. I have fine. to stay off YouTube, social media yeah. until I've seen the films. It's like yeah, you've I was, got to. It was a you day late seeing Endgame, and I was like, I'm just a complete blanket. Not you have to. Endgame. Yeah, you have to. Unless, unless you a bit of a, you know, you sort of, uh, sometimes I will just go, ah, bollocks, I'm just going to look at all the all the spoilers i'm just gonna spoiler myself silly <laughs> because then i know what happens and i haven't got to go through the anxiety of trying to not see it all so i'm just gonna just gonna look at all the spoiler videos anyway um, there's, there's certain things we just don't give a shit anymore <laughs> no exactly exactly but because because special effects are at a point now where whatever you can imagine you can put on the screen yeah it's very hard to get that why moment and the only reason those why moments happen or work in Avengers and Spider-Man is because Marvel took the time, done some brilliant storytelling to make you invested in those characters. If you look at Batman v Superman, Superman dies in that, and I didn't give a shit. I no, honestly didn't care that Spider that, that Superman I've, had died. I've said it before elsewhere. I don't like that. I like Henry Cavill, and I like how, for all its flaws, the theatrical cut of Justice League, I liked where he was as Superman at the end of that. That was the Superman I've been waiting to see. But they don't earn that death in BBS. No. It's like, we saw it in a comic, it looked cool, so... And it's like, nothing you're telling me about Superman in this matches up with what I saw in Man of Steel. Mm. With, you yeah. know, he's a symbol but, of hope. It's like, is he though? Yeah, exactly. The thing is, is like the, 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 the um, Joss Whedon Justice League absolutely sucks balls as far as i'm concerned see my expectations were so low by that point that i actually quite enjoyed it i was like this is absolute dog shit but i'm quite enjoying it it did have really? a couple of bits in it that i like i liked his portrayal of superman at the end and i love the one bit i would have kept for the snyder cut is when ben affleck uh, ben affleck's batman tells the flash to just save one person right i liked that journey for the flash of actually becoming a hero yeah because i i really enjoyed the Zack snyder apart from the Joker scene at the end. Yeah, there was no point for it. The rest of it, the fact that it was like four hours long, it took its time to tell the story. I thought the story was so much better than yeah. The Joss again, it's not, it's not the masterpiece that everybody was playing. Oh no, no. And no. he spent far too much time and money building himself in a little back door to get people being like, "We want him to keep going." And yeah, like, exactly. Got and I just don't like the way that film came about. No, but it's also they they tried to speed it up instead of doing a. A, you know, a, a Superman movie, a Batman movie, a um, Aquaman movie, a Wonder Woman movie. Build it up, make you feel feel like you care for the characters. It was Superman, Batman v Superman, Justice League. It was just too fast. You didn't yeah. care, and it, I, I, I was really disappointed. I was really disappointed with the way because they've the got characters seem similar as well, with the exception of Wonder Woman. And very much once she got into own... actually, in, even in BBS, she's great. The bit where um. Doomsday either punches or a headbutts, or I can't remember the exact thing. And she just gets that smile on her face yeah. and she realizes it's drawn blood. Yeah. And then they and then they drop the ball with Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. Where she just I don't understand how it can go from Wonder Woman, which was a great movie, to to it's just a complete mess that never didn't make any sense. No, it you was know? I was enjoying it, and then it was like shit, this shit's still going. And then you had the whole creepy Steve Rogers, not Steve Rogers, um very creepy. Um, whatever his name is, Steve. Um, yeah, see, 
I know I'm a comic Chris, fan. Chris Pine. Chris, Chris Pine, Pine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With him occupying another guy's body. Yeah. Like, Very creepy. Very creepy, yeah. Well, thing is, you don't think about it at the time. I remember I watched it at the time. I thought, oh, it's nice to see Chris Pine back. And then when the movie finished, I thought, hang on a minute. <laughs> she had sex with him, I'm sure. So, that don't seem right to me. <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't seem right. It? This, this guy did not consent to this. It's always been no. the problem with the film. Have you seen the film Source Code? We've gone massively off greatest show. No, yeah, no, I haven't. No. I have a real problem with the ending of that just because of what it does to a certain character without oh, spoiling right. it for you in case you okay. ever watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's Jake Gyllenhaal, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's a good film, but it's just the ending doesn't sit right with me at all. Yeah, but... it's, it's it's weird how just th- these decisions... I mean, look, if you're going to talk about decisions, Rise of Skywalker, holy crap. I mean... I've really always gone to bat for Star Wars. I've always been a massive apologist. You know, if someone's slagging Star Wars off, I'll say, hey, well, yeah, but this is really great. And this is really great. I think it's it, it, as much as I love The Last Jedi. It's, I've always... I like The Last Jedi. It shouldn't have been the middle film in a trilogy. No. Well, as a kid, did you ever play that game where you had a strip of paper, you drew a head, you yeah. folded it, gave it to someone else, they drew a body, folded it, and then gave it to someone else and drew legs. And you'd look and there's be, there'd be this amazing monster. That's what they did with the sequel trilogy. They gave um, Force Awakens to J.J. Abrams, and then they folded a bit of paper and then said, right, don't worry about what that is. There you go, Ryan Johnson. Now you draw the body, and it doesn't matter. We'll just see what the mess is like afterwards. And that's what it seemed to be. There was no marvel like a marvel plan you know yeah. there was no str- they didn't work out a big story and then split it into three well, that's like, it because whether you like the prequels or not there was a beginning middle and end there was a narrative the, the middle yeah, was, was unnecessary but yeah it, you know you knew where it was going it was building towards something this yeah. one didn't show it just felt it was, a little was, bit like it was you know, Anakin, somehow it was summed yeah. up perfectly and somehow palpatine has returned it's like exactly really? yeah and it could have been it could have been i love the force awakens i really do and I know that it's like a soft reboot retelling of A New Hope. It just, it just is. There's bits in it, but I must admit I'm not a big fan of those that Disney trilogy. I like Rogue One. I even really enjoyed Solo. Um, yeah. It's not great and it doesn't need to exist. And I maintain that it only exists for them to test the waters for recasting Indiana Jones. That's the only reason I... that film exists, and I'll stand by that theory. Um they're fine. They've got great bits in them. They've also got terrible bits in them that people hold up as great bits. Yeah. Um, I just, for me, it undid everything I'd invested in the previous trilogy, and it robbed me of that shot of Luke Han and Leia and Chewie on the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon again. That's that's the one thing you had them all there. Now, obviously, they weren't going to know that Carrie Fisher was going to pass away, but when you had all of them for that movie, and I think it also was a bit. It was just, it wasn't the way to treat mark hamill no you know from just a turn up at the at the very end which is still a great moment i find that as a really emotional moment and um the, you know the same as han solo spoilers if you've not seen force awakening but han solo getting uh killed is a very emotional moment but the fact that they say obviously must have said to ryan johnson look you just go off and make the movie you want to do Everything that was set up by J.J. Abrams, Ryan Johnson basically turned around and said, that's not happening now. Yeah. You know, and, and that was the bit that sort of got me is the fact that there was no, 
no look at linking things together and making it into a trilogy rather than three separate films. And in the end, Rise of Skywalker ended up being just a way of trying to turn everything back round again. And it became just a mess and, again, didn't make sense. None of it made sense. No, I think the other thing is it didn't really feel like part of the whole. No. Whether you like the prequels or not, they feel part of the original trilogy. Again, whether yeah. you agree with how it is part of that or not is... I'm a slight prequels apologist, but I, I quite there's a lot in them that I quite like. There's yeah. a lot in them. I can again, I can 100 percent understand why people don't like them. But they're getting a lot more love now. I, 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 think I couldn't I couldn't thing. go to bat and solidly defend them because if anyone was like, yeah, but that was shit, I'd be like, yeah, no, you're right, but I still yeah. love it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, in the end, well, the, the weird thing, I mean, anybody, if you talk to anybody that knows me, knows that how passionate I am about Star Wars, and you know if. Anybody's got a question, like any of my Facebook friends have a Star Wars question, or if they find, if they see a picture of a barbecue, the shape of a TIE fighter, they'll always, <laughs> you know, they'll always like tag me in on it and go, hey, Pav, look at this, look at this, but you want one of these. But I came out of watching The Rise of Skywalker. I went and saw the, um, it was the trilogy. They showed the trilogy um, on the night that it came out. So it was like started at, I don't know what it was, seven o'clock and then went on till midnight, and then they showed Rise of Skywalker, and I watched it then, and then watched it again the following night. And I came out of the cinema that morning, so it would have been like 3 o'clock in the morning, genuinely thinking to myself, said, my God, is Star Wars just a movie? <laughs> and I'd never in my life, in no. what, what it had been then, 50 years of my life, I'd never thought of Star Wars as just a movie. It had always been more to me than that. Like I said, it'd been, it's in my DNA. It's um, tattoos just everything to me is star wars to come out of it feeling like oh my god is is star wars just a movie really affected me i was really like emotional about it because i thought it's i'm losing something here that is massive to me and this movie has made me completely feel something completely different about this whole thing i think that yeah i think then i watched mandalorian and everything was fine yeah. again so that was you know <laughs> And then Boba Fett happened, and you were a bit like. And then Boba Fett <laughs> happened, but Mandalorian series. And then Obi Wan sort of sat somewhere in the middle. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but um, no, I think I think part of the magic went when we were getting new Star Wars content every year. That was a mistake. Yeah, as much as like you again, think, oh, whether you like great. the film or not, the queuing up at midnight to get my tickets for the Phantom Menace with my girlfriend at the time, and just being with other Star Wars fans that were just like, you know, this this is fucking exciting, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. But 20, I mean, so what it was 2019 that Rise of Skywalker came out, wasn't yeah. it? Um, so in October of 2019, that was when Galaxy's Edge opened. Yeah. And we went to to uh, Walt Disney World and I went to Galaxy's Edge, cried like a baby <laughs> when I walked through the opening to get into Galaxy's Edge because I'd watched so many videos about it. It had just opened. And there is, I'm not a religious person, but I have never had a more religious experience than standing in front of a full size Millennium Falcon. Yeah. It, it, it's one of the greatest moments of my life, apart from the kids and getting married. I've got to say that. Caveat <laughs> that. Um, grandkids, all the family stuff. It was an emotional moment. And so to go from that to then a couple of months later to watch The Rise of Skywalker and come out of the <laughs> cinema going, my God, Star Wars is just a movie, was devastating to yeah. me. Yeah. Absolutely devastating. Yeah. Anyway, The Greatest Showman. The Greatest Showman. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Greatest Showman's got spectacle on. It has. On, it, it really plays into those great moments. Like I say, it opens with The um, Greatest Show, it ends with The Greatest Show, which is 
like you say, you hear the drums beating at the beginning, all the feet stamping at the beginning. Yeah. Which I mean, that's perfect. That's like Queen. We were rocky, wasn't it? It's like exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. And it's um, they, they knew what they were doing with that. Yeah, of course they did. Of course they did. It's it's beautifully bookended. That's the thing. And but it is. Uh, there has been rumours I have seen on various movie sites that they are looking at the idea of doing a, uh, a Greatest Showman 2. Yeah, I always like to sort of bring the conversation to an end sort of with sequels, but I mean, we can do it quickly now. But yeah, I saw that <laughs> and it was in development before the Fox merger. Yeah, um, I kind of hope they don't. I mean, I would assume that it, it means that they can do a, a part two of the soundtrack, a whole new load of of um of songs obviously but the fact that they've not played straight with pt barnum as a real person i just don't know where you go it's a bit like um we talked about when we talked about robocop so slightly iffy for connection but at the end of robocop there's nowhere left for robocop to go he's been on his journey yeah and you got the same with pt barnum and zach efron what's he going to do go other than his kids growing up and then deciding to get back into it. But then that, where's the emotional investment? <laughs> exactly. I mean, would they turn around and make him into a bit of a shit? I don't think they, they would do that. What would be I the mean, point Hugh Jackman does great shit. I mean, I mean, I've never seen a Hugh Jackman shit, so I don't know <laughs> how good his shit is, to be honest. I, I meant but... being a shit, not... <laughs> oh, I see, right. I, I didn't know whether you knew him. He's, he's not, I've not opened my front door and he's just left one on my step. <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean, he's a Hollywood star. He can do what he That's not like an X-Men origin, Jeff yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just walking away, turns around and just does the finger to you. Like, that's, that's, that's for your review of Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, he's played squiffy characters. Yeah. The Prestige. Has. Yeah. So Another invested. great movie. I was so invested in The Prestige. And then when he turned out to be shit. a bit of a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as you follow him as the hero and you think Christian Bale's the shit. Exactly. And that, well, that's, I mean, that's um, great storytelling again, isn't it? It's that whole changing the expectations of what you think is going to happen to what is actually happening. It's, it's, um, I always thought it was a shame he wasn't two faced in Dark Knight because his name was in contention at one point. Oh, really? I think off the back of doing the prestige, as great as Aaron Eckhart is. Yeah. I I can see that. Hugh Jackman could do. It's like Hugh Jackman, he doesn't got the look, but he could be a great Lex Luthor. Because the thing mm. with Lex Luthor is he's meant to be charming and ruthless behind closed doors kind of thing. And he's got that thing going for him. I watched that reminiscence the other day, and it's like, am I meant to be rooting for you or not? Oh, right. Yeah, I've not seen that. I've not it's seen not, that. It's fine. It's forgettable. I can't remember much about it. But right, okay. it's one of those ones that's like, it's perfectly enjoyable while it's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think you'd get... I think The Greatest Showman is lightning in a bottle. I think it I, is. I think the fact that they managed... I mean... They rinsed the soundtrack for what it was worth with the uh, covers album that came out as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. I have to admit. No, I um, they used to play a lot on radio too because we listened. To it's that's what's on it. Were right. <laughs> the point where yeah. I tweeted them one day. I was like, "Is everything all right at radio too? I've not heard a Greatest Showman song for it." Oh right, how is it like that? Is it because <laughs> if they weren't playing one from the film, they were playing one from the remix album or whatever it was called. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think a Greatest Showman two could end up being a bit like Grease two to Grease. I think See, I'm in know. a minority that I like Greece too better. But... Do you? <laughs> I just there's so many problems with Greece. There's bits in Greece that are amazing. Greece Lightning's a fantastic song. The bit where he's training to do or trying out all the different sports, it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but just the the overall message of the film has never sat right with me. But yeah, so no, she can, has to change. The... I can see that. Yeah, she has to become more. I think slutty. The, the original Grease has got better songs. But it's just something about Grease Two I quite like. I think because everybody was like, "Don't watch Grease Two is shit," and I was like, "No, oh, fuck, I'm going to check it out." I was like, yeah. "Actually, this is all right." Yeah. And again, I think there's a there's a small opinion of people that sway more towards Grease Two now than Grease. There's 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 a couple of I people think... that I know that that would agree with you. Yeah. But I don't think Grease 2 is an amazing film either. I, just, no. <laughs> I, I, I think it's got an unfair. I don't, it's not as, it's, I don't think Grease is as amazing as everybody says it is. And I don't think Grease 2 is as bad as everybody says it is. I think they both right. sort of sit nicely in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, well, Grease definitely has the, the, the better songs without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. But, um... Um, again, I fully understand why people don't like Grease 2 as well. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not willing to die on that hill. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get online and you know start jumping on you. No, <laughs> I think you'll find you don't want Michelle Pfeiffer leaving your shit on your doorstep, do you? Because you give a bad review of Grease too, or you might do. I mean, I don't know. I've not thought about it, but no, no. I mean, you know, <laughs> let me Maxwell, mull that one over. Maxwell I'll get back Caulfield. to you. <laughs> was it Maxwell Caulfield? It was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Rex Manning from Empire Records. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I yeah, I think you're right. I think it would be. For all intents and purposes, the Grease too. But it, like I say, it's just I don't know where you'd go with it. It ends perfectly. He realizes that his family is more important. Yeah. Which is um plus nobody does enthusiastic dreamer as well as Hugh Jackman does. Mm. At least in this film. He's incredible in it. I'm like fully invested in his harebrained schemes. Even the fact that he basically steals stuff and cons a bank into giving him a loan. <laughs> You're like, I'm exactly. with it. Because he's I've got a dream. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, it's it, he has almost like a perfect arc in the movie. Yeah. That's the thing. And like you say, you, you really don't want him to have another, arc. unless I suppose they concentrated on Zac Efron's character, but then that's not going to be. No, because I think he had this arc as well, didn't he? Because he yeah. sort of became the huge Ackman showman at the end. Yeah. His, when he does his bit of the greatest show, I love that bit. Yeah. That's like hairs on the back of the neck. Bit like whether you like the song or not, Whitney Houston's when I will always love you, and it crescendos and then does oh, that yeah. beat, and Absolutely. then she sings it again. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like, there are moments, there are moments, um, like that in, in sort of all of cinema. I feel, yeah, it's, like I say, it, it knows what it is and it doesn't shy away from the fact. I think, I think no. it's, it's like I say, it wears it on its sleeve. And it's got lovely little. I love his delivery of the um, just once I'd like to give him something real. You will sing in the grandest theater with the finest orchestra in the greatest city on earth, Jenny Lind. One night only, or maybe two. And at 20% of the gate, it'll be a Queen's ransom for your efforts. I give most of my earnings to charity, Mr. Barnum, to orphans and widows. Voice of a nightingale, heart of an angel. That's brilliant. I mean, the press will go crazy for that story. That's not a story. May I ask you something, Mr. Barnum? Anything? Why me? People come to my show for the pleasure of being hoodwinked. Just once I'd love to give them something real. That's such a beautifully delivered line. Yeah. Even though you know where it's going, he's going to neglect the freaks and eventually realise that he's got to come back to him because, you know, never trust a beautiful woman that can sing. Exactly, exactly. But it's also the fact that I think he get, the whole point of that is the fact that he realizes that he's just as much of a freak as yeah. the people that he's been 
sort of abuse, not abuse, well, yeah, abusing and using to make money. Yeah. And he realizes that that's his world and that's who he needs to, you know, he needs to embrace it rather than, than sort of staying away from them because he's, he is not one of the hoity toity upper class. He is, he is from the gutter, if you like. But he's obviously done. He's done good. But then again, he's he's just in debt. That's the thing. Yeah. He's just totally in debt. So everything, the whole thing of putting on a show, the fact that he is this greatest showman is all part of a show as well. Yeah. You know, it could. It, it, I mean, yeah. It literally all crumbles into flames and you know, in 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 smoke at the end. But he still manages to to sort it all out afterwards. Thank God Zac Efron took his cut ahead of time. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> and saved his money rather than than spaffing it up on the land of other things. But, I mean, everybody's got a great journey in it. It's even the um, people in the show. Yeah, the bearded lady again. It's not it's not subtle at all. But no, you really do invest in it. I, if anything, it, probably Michelle Williams has got the least rewarding part. Because she just yeah. has to sort of be in love with him and then fall out with him and then realize that she's in love with him. Yeah. And it, it's got that weird age difference, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that because how old how old is she? I'm gonna have to have a little look on IMDb. Be... Well, she was in she was young when she was in species in the mid-90s. So she, she's got to be younger than me, and I'm 43. So she was born in 1980. Oh, she's a year younger than me then. So, so. she's 42. 42, and Hugh Jackman was born in 1968. Mm. I mean, it's it's not a new thing. I mean, arguably, Zac Efron and Zendaya, there's an age gap as well, because I think she was 19 or something, wasn't she, at the time? (laughs) She was born in 96. God, that makes me feel old. I know. And Zac Efron was born in 87. So, yeah, there's a nine-year difference between them. It's not quite as high as him. I always think Zac Efron's older than he is now. I think because he's been around for so long. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like... High School Musical must have been 20 years ago. Yeah. Must have been, yeah. 20... Yeah, mid-2000s, I think, was when it hit its peak. Maybe 2007 might have been High School Musical 3. And then, obviously, he went off and did uh, 17 again, which is a great film. Right. Or it's not a great film, but it's a really enjoyable film. Right, right. Obviously, If if, if you can buy the, you know, Zac Efron is a young Matthew Perry. I think that's the deal. Oh no, I think it might be a different body. I don't know. I can't remember. I just my favorite bit in that is where he's trying to sort a girl out, and he's like, "Actually, no, this is another dad's problem." Oh right, I I, I haven't seen it. I take it that's one of those body swap. Movies, yeah, is it? It was. Yeah, it's basically Matthew Perry gets to be seventeen again. But right, right. He sort of did a, that in between thing before he did things like the Bad Neighbors movies and Dirty Grandpa and Baywatch and all that. He did some interesting films. He did that Me and Awesome Wells, which is a really good film. Yeah. Um, Hairspray. I just really forgot he was in Hairspray. Yeah. He was going to be in the remake of Footloose for a long time when it was going to be a musical. Oh, was he? Which I would have loved to have seen. But did you did you not watch the remake then? Or I did. I actually quite enjoyed it. It's not the original, but nothing is. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we can't do a movie one with you because whatever the, it's going to be, the answer at number one is going to be Footloose, isn't it? <laughs> You're going to find some way of putting it in there. That's it. We're doing we're doing a top ten of uh yeah of awesome Wells films. Have we got Footloose? <laughs> <in it? laughs> well, yeah, because Zac Efron was going to be in the, re- the remake of uh, that, and he was in Me and Awesome Wells. So there you go. There's the link. I I do think that the 
they should have done the remake of Footloose as a musical, like they did with Hairspray. Yeah, that would have been the smarter way to go. I think it would have had more of an impact. But it's, the remake's fine. It's just it's not foot. It's not your Footloose. Um, yeah, I mean, there's elements of the remake that I prefer to the original, but oh, right. at the same, it just doesn't have the songs. Right. I think Kenny Loggins. Was... Kenny Loggins for you. Wow, exactly. It's, you got two Kenny Loggins bangers in the Footloose soundtrack. When you did your um, film songs, I was like, well, there's two Kenny Loggins straight off the Footloose soundtrack. If we didn't nip over to the Top Gun soundtrack, that's another two Kenny Loggins bangers. <laughs> well, I tell you, Footloose to me again is one of those it, it, just perfect songs. Yeah. That, the, the original Footloose is one of the, the perfect pop, I mean, pop rock songs, whatever you want to call it, but it's one of the perfect songs. It's got everything. What was it, Absolutely. The Simpsons? Um, Kenny Loggins, it was Crappy Rock. When they had a basket of <laughs> CDs, it's like Kenny Loggins, and other people were like, oh, Crappy Rock. Oh, I, I will not stand for that. Oh, bless <laughs> Kenny Loggins. But I mean, that's the secret to those sort of things. I mean, Footloose isn't a musical musical, but it very much has that aesthetic, and you need yeah. the songs. I think that's where this succeeds as well. I think if it didn't have the songs, we'd be looking at a very different... But for me, that's part of my problem with Chicago. None of those songs grab me. No. Oh, God, this this would be an awful movie if it didn't have... If it was just a straight like drama or whatever, yeah. a straight biopic. Or if it just had lazy redos of existing songs. I don't think it would have worked either. No, no. And I think you, you had good people doing the songs from La La Land, I think they were, weren't they? The, yeah. The, the guys that did the songs. La La Land, there's a musical that was hugely popular. There you go, yeah. There we go. Oscar winner. We knew there was one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or was it? <laughs> or was it? <laughs> I can never remember now which one won. Oh, that's but true. Was no, that was the, that was the Moonlight one, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, that's when Warren Beatty and um, Faye Dunaway balls it up. Where Warren Beatty threw Faye Dunaway under the bus, and we that's like, right. Go. Yeah, which oh, he claims it was spur to check. Yeah, he's he like, I know this is wrong. I'm gonna. Do you agree? And she just read it out as his story. That's he right. Warren Beatty, like, I'm not gonna look like a dick, eh? <laughs> Uh, dear me, yeah. Awesome. I mean, I think we've with with massive tangents off elsewhere. I think we've sort of covered great showmen. But yeah, I mean, if they did a stage show, would you go and watch it? I probably would. I think I would. Yeah. I mean, um, again, I'm not a massive fan of of West End, but I've seen The Lion King. I've seen Hamilton. Hamilton is another thing that I'm absolutely passionate about. I never thought I had no idea what Hamilton was, and then obviously it became sort of that and Tiger King, one of the big yeah. things of, of lockdown. And I've, I've missed both, to be honest. <laughs> I do, but I, I sat down and I thought, right, I've got Disney Plus. You know, I've got 16 weeks to kill here with furlough. So let's have a look and see what this Hamilton's all about. Now, I assume it's about, like, black people trying to get into the government of old America. So that's what I thought it was, because I heard it was about rap and stuff. Had no idea what it was about. I didn't realize it was about the America's forefathers and signing of the independence and all of that kind of stuff. And it absolutely blew me away. And I've yeah. been in love with Lin Manuel Miranda ever since. Everything that he does, yeah, whether it's Moana or um, uh, oh, what was the other Disney? My number one Disney film. And I can't remember what it's called now. What was the the one that just came out? Uh, Coco. No Coco. No. Um, oh shit! What is it called? <laughs> The one with the Encanto, Enchant Encanto, Encanto, which has got again fantastic songs in it that just make me cry all the time. <laughs> so I'm I'm definitely on Lin Manuel Miranda's like in in his groove, if you like. 
Yeah, he's, um, but, he's very good at what he does. But Hamilton Live is just... I want to watch it on Disney+, Plus, but I just want... Watch it My on telly's def- got a weird blue tint at the moment. I'm trying to work out what the fuck's going oh, on. Oh, right. I would I would say definitely watch it live. Uh, watch the that one first, because it's yeah. got the, the greatest cast, and obviously Lin-Manuel Miranda is Hamilton. Yeah. And you just realise, how the hell how the hell are they doing that? How the hell are they rapping like that? I'm not a rap fan. I don't like rap at all, but the way that they do it is fantastic, and everybody on that stage is at the top of their game absolute awesome. top of the game but we went to london to watch it and um there's one particular song called it's quiet uptown which is a real s- slow song luckily everyone had to wear masks um because of covid i was sobbing like a baby I was <laughs> sobbing and nobody could see that i was sobbing because i had like a mask on and i was trying to stifle the the, the, the sobs it's beautiful it's just so emotional yeah. but yeah i would i would thoroughly recommend it thoroughly. yeah it is on my list i Again, I like the idea of going to musicals, so I just can't be asked with the hustle. It's like I'd really exactly. like to see Back to the Future. Everybody tells me good things about it. Right. It's just going up to that there, London. and <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing. It's not an easy little trip, is it? That's the trouble. Yeah, it's, it becomes a weekend. Plus, you know, it's, it full, does. Of, it's full of London wankers. <laughs> no offence to any London wankers. No offence to the, yeah, London listeners. No offence. We, we do love you. Anybody who's ever stood on the wrong side of an escalator coming up the tube knows what London wankers are. <laughs> That's who I'm talking That's, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those pricks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on your left. I'm really sorry to disappoint you all. Don't worry, Barnum. We've gotten used to it by now. <laughs> you know, Barnum, when I first met you, I had an inheritance claim, an invitation to every party in town. And now, thanks to you, all that's gone. All that's left is friendship, love, and work that I adore. You brought joy into my life. Into all our lives. Here, here. Bunny the bank would take joy as collateral. They may not. But I will. I own 10% of the show. Knowing who I was working for, I had the good sense to take my cut weekly. Philip, I can't let you gamble it on me. I say you can. Don't turn sensible on us now. Partners. 50-50. Partners. The only thing is, I don't know how we're going to afford a building. Right. Building? We don't need a building. Real estate Manhattan is a terrible investment. Wait, I can get land down by the docks for almost nothing. All we need is a tent. Um, well, I like to end these with the... Uh... Bernard Pivo questions from inside the actor's studio, if you're happy to answer them. Absolutely. Um, Fire away. Cracking. It's, yeah, 10 quick fire questions sort of thing. So, but, you know. Uh, all right, then. So, question one. What is your favourite word? Chunks. Nice. <laughs> I just love the sound of the word chunks. It could be used so well as well. It's just, I don't know, moist chunks. If it was two words, it'd be moist chunks. Interesting. Yeah. Moistly is nicely into what is your least favorite word because that comes up a lot. <laughs> uh, I bet it does. Yeah, my least favorite word is no. Okay, 
yeah because my wife tends to say that to me a hell of a lot yeah. <laughs> for various things <laughs> after a while i just get numb to that word yeah that's you hear it, it so it often, white just... noise it's just white noise yeah it's like a teacher from charlie brown <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly exactly uh what turns you on either creatively or boobs <laughs> i had to be honest i'm sorry i wasn't going to come with any with any highfalutin like philosophical <laughs> answer for that that was the first thing i thought of when i saw the question and i thought i could just imagine oh um james lipton or whatever it was what he would say if i said that to him he'd probably turning in his grave i suppose he is dead isn't he yeah, he is yeah, yeah yeah bless him weirdly older than i thought he was as well yes yes <laughs> like when i found, when he died and i saw his age I was like really yeah yeah that's that's what hair dye does for that's, you though that's los angeles for you. that's los angeles yeah. <laughs> or wherever it was based it might not be los angeles actually but uh what turns you off actually um i'm going to be serious with this one stupidity and ignorance are the things that uh there's far too much of these days yeah so uh yeah that's definitely what turns me off yeah. must be true because my cousin's best friend's sister told me on the internet exactly that mentality yeah exactly well yeah because you can't have a discussion about anything anymore <laughs> no you can't you can't have a point of view or, or no that's not right everybody has a point of view yeah and because they put and, it and no one's willing to budge on this everybody thinks they're right and if you're you don't agree with their point of view you're wrong and it doesn't matter about facts it doesn't matter about uh, science it, it just matters about somebody in their little man shed uh thinks that their voice is more important than everybody else's and that's what really really grinds my gears these days yeah i've recently i somebody had put about you know watching um hunt for red october is it a good film or something i was like it's like the best jack ryan film that i listed at the order that i had the other four in and somebody just replied with uh Clear and present, uh, not clear and present. Um, some of all fears before Patriot Games, false. I was like, <laughs> it's just personal preference, mate. If you feel the other way, more power to you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I can remember. I think it was the day after the Last Jedi came out, and everybody was going mad on the internet, saying that they should remake it. They should like stop it from being in the cell. They should go and remake Even Ryan it. Ryan Johnson was like, "Great idea." <laughs> yeah, they, and and I I remember getting getting to work. And I put, made a video, and I'd never done it before, and put it up on our old YouTube channel, saying, look, it is what it is. People don't like it, fine. But if people do like it, fine. It doesn't matter. The amount of comments I got from Americans, <laughs> like one guy saying, this is America. This is freedom of speech, buddy. And all that. oh, my God, <laughs> what, what does that even mean? So you're saying freedom of speech. You're saying I'm wrong because I'm saying what I think. Yet you're having a go at me for freedom of speech because you think freedom of speech as long as you agree with them. <laughs> well, as long as you're in America, apparently that's what they were saying. They're saying this is America, buddy. We have freedom of speech. And I thought oh, I don't, I, can, I, just I don't understand. I got myself out of the habit of commenting on things um, in a negative way. It's just too much of it online anyway. So like I don't engage with Snyder fans or anything like that because I'm not going to change their opinion on it either. Exactly. So. And what's the point? what's the point life's too short it is way too short absolutely i completely agree somebody who um used to work for dc or he still works for dc comics but he posted that he never liked dick tracy i was like i always really loved it but i can see why people don't like it so that's fine he was like you know yeah that's how you play on the internet (laughs) yeah and but the trouble is as well especially on youtube is you get more clicks if you're angry about things yeah 
You know, you get more views if you're angry, if you if you decide to shout it, it like an idiot. It depends where your anger's based. There's been a few Star Wars ones that I've like, you know, clicked on it, started listening to their opinion, and then they're on something, and then they instantly go into the either SJW argument or just barrage of hate towards Kathleen Kennedy or something. It's like, yeah, no, yeah. this is one of those videos. It's not for me at all. <laughs> no, no. Or it's the ones that will, will, will take the piss out of it, like the Red Letter Media guys. I don't know if you've ever seen them. I'm, I'm familiar with them, but... Um, they had... The one guy that's, that sort of started it had uh, Mr. Plinkett uh, doing... Um, <laughs> that's, what he, that's what went viral. He has this character where he picked apart the prequel trilogy. And it is hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious because there's so many bits in it that you you watch it. You're a fan of the start of Star Wars, and you think that's that's quite a good point, actually. And it's all done for com comedic value. Yeah. But he comes out with some amazing points that you think oh, that's actually spot on. And then he all they also do a thing called the Nerd Crew, which is like a mock um, panel of geeks. And the trouble is. I used to, me and Neil used to do videos like they're doing. I'm thinking they're taking the piss and they've all got glasses on. They've all, and that like in their studio, they've got pop figures and things behind them and they've all got caps on. Sometimes their caps are just to the side a little bit and they're all pretending that they're 30 when actually they're 45 and 50 years old. And I think Jesus, they've got, they've got it. And it's all done. It's like a comedy sketch, if you like, but it's all done to, Perfect, perfect effect. So have a little look. Red Letter Media, they're, they're really, really funny. There was a great comment on a post today because obviously the current thing is to shit on the She-Hulk, Ms. Yeah. Marvel, any yeah. sort of female-led MCU thing. Yeah. And somebody just commented like, I'm beginning to understand why people shunned us back in the 90s. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, because they're giving like geeks and nerds a bad name. That's the thing. It's like it's the trouble not... is, is most it's like with the Ghostbusters thing. Most of these people aren't fans. They're just twats who just like to get into something. That but is they, true. Although, although they're, they're put down as toxic fans, and it's like the female Ghostbusters movie I thought was very very bad. I must admit, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. It was just a mess. Just I really enjoyed Afterlife though. I must. Oh, admit. I loved Afterlife. That was yeah. how you do a legacy sequel for yeah. me. And that last scene. That's, that's oh literal tears and i was with my friend I, and he was like you're crying i was like no exactly I mean, the yeah, same I've, exactly the same i've got a massive i mean light spoilers but i always connected to spengler because when the nine in the 90s when i was well, i had glasses and i had the big hair oh right by okay. choice that's just how my parents made me look yeah <laughs> so my nickname at school was either egon or spengler if they were particularly oh, really <laughs> um i just i love harold ramis harold ramis has some of the best gags in um the bit in the first ghostbusters where they first flick on the um proton pack in the lift and egon just slides away in the background yeah yeah that's a genius comic and he's not showy at all it's just no. so well done it's um, a perfect movie ghostbusters i was, the first I was one devastated when howard ramus died but, yeah and i was really worried with going into afterlife that they were going to you know desecrate his memory and they did it perfectly they did it absolutely. at the beginning i was like this is a bit i'm not sure but it paid off perfectly it was beautiful it was yeah again um, another movie i'd recommend without a doubt yeah yeah definitely um what sound or noise do you love uh the sound of walking on snow nice that nice sort of delicate crunch i'm i'm very into asmr i do, i love listening to asmr stuff so just yeah. whether it's anything that stuff yeah. or the 
grab one of a beer. Oh, I love all that sort of stuff. So yeah, anything like that. But the walking on the snow, the crunch of uh, foot, footsteps on snow is is my favourite. Yeah, until you slip, and then it's followed by swearing, cursing, <laughs> and screaming. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what sound or noise do you hate? Dogs barking and babies crying. They're the things that just set me off. I especially, especially dogs. Dogs yeah. barking is just one of those no, those noises that you wish you could just take their voice box out. Dogs are lovely, but just take their voice box out so they just can't make any noise. They can move their jaws as much as they like, but just no noise come out. It would be perfect. <laughs> Quite happy with that. Uh, what's your favourite curse word? Uh, for this one, I'd say check out our top 10 swear words episode <laughs> and you'll find out what my favourite uh, favorite one is. A little spoiler there. Nice. I will, uh, I'll put a link in okay. for that one specifically as well. But uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Pro golfer is, is without a shadow of a doubt because I love the fashion of golfers. <laughs> I do. And I think it's because, because I'm quite a, a, quite a big guy. I'm, I'm, in the process of making myself smaller so i'm like 22 pounds lighter than i was 100 and 108 days ago so i'm sort of trying to get myself awesome. but that that look of the the nice cut trousers with a nice shirt and the I'm, I'm a cap person as well i love wearing caps and also i think for the for the sake of walking around and shaking a stick at a ball to win, you know, to, to get yourself millions of dollars, especially if you can get on the live golf tour yeah. and make millions and millions of dollars doing something like that. I think that to me, the only thing would be the thing of like taking your hat off and having, you know, half of your head brown and half of your head white. <laughs> that would be the only thing I think I, I wouldn't like. But See, on a golf course, that's cool. Our local garden centre has got a little crazy golf thing in it. And we oh, were they? coming out of it the other day and there was like two couples going in and both guys were in full golf gear and have brought their own clubs. Really? It's like, it's like tell me you're a dick without telling me you're a dick. <laughs> it's, like, it's crazy golf, man. That is, like, that you is... know, they want to get on that leaderboard. That's but that's commitment reason. though. That's commitment. Were they plus fours or just like normal trousers? And I oh, know it's the full on. They wow. had the, uh, the silky polo shirts. And... Nice. That's, that's commitment. Fair play. It's, it's in a garden <laughs> just got all these kids having fun and these guys are like stop dicking around <laughs> that's great I, I just imagine them being like competitive dad from the fashion <laughs> yeah 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 no that is good that is good uh what profession would you not like to do uh well i think you should check out our top 10 worst jobs <laughs> episode <laughs> and you'll be able to find out what my top 10 jobs i wouldn't want to do is so you know, there you go. Self-promotion once again. See, I haven't listened to them yet, so I can't even spoil it. <laughs> okay, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right, then. Finally, uh, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? See, I told you, you son of a bitch. That's what I going to say. I mean, I would just have to hold my hands up and go, yeah, I didn't think you existed. I'm so sorry. Now, if you want to just send me into the elevator and take me down to the bottom that's fine i'll totally admit it that's fine he'll be like why the fuck wasn't i on the top 10 biblical plagues come on <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly also i was worried then you're going to be like for that one listen to our top 10 things <laughs> yeah said. no no yeah top 10 things i don't believe in there you go number one <laughs> awesome so i mean we've mentioned it a few times but um obviously top 10 of anything pod is 
going strong. Uh, just gone past episode 50. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. And um, sort of for people who haven't listened, give them a sort of rough idea of. Yeah. So basically what to expect from it. Yeah, basically, I mean, we, I've, we've been podcasting for nearly 10 years now and we've had, I, I'd hate to think how many different podcasts we've had in that time. Um, but our most successful one went on for about four years, which was a uh, This Country, the BBC comedy show, uh, WTAF, a This Country podcast, um, which is which is still up on all your uh, various uh, podcast platforms. But we did it for four years. We did 200 episodes of that. And it got to the point where we felt like we'd really done all we could. There yeah. were so many different things we did with the episodes. And we had some great guests, some really, really big guests and fans and mem- members of the cast and crew. Um, and then it got to the point where we thought we want to try and do something completely different. So instead of concentrating on one specific thing, let's open it up. Um, uh, as you said before we started recording, everybody loves a top 10. It's one of those things I think that just with an intuitive mind, everybody just wants to delve in a little bit and have a look and see what a top 10 is. So the the whole point of it is we will pick a subject, we'll pick a guest and then myself, my co-host Neil and the guests will go through our top 10, talk about the reasons that the, those particular things are there. Um, we will read out honorable mentions from some of our listeners, uh, play some little, funny little sound clips every so often as well <laughs> have some fantastic uh fun facts from neil who's our fact hunter i, I always love when you jump in with a sign before he's finished doing the fact <laughs> that's that's what i gotta try and do because i do try and i try and put him off a little bit and sometimes it works because sometimes he will he'll get his words muddled up bless him or it, it'll just it'll just go off and he won't he won't you'll find it very hard to get back online <laughs> so that's always that's always a fun thing um but it's been loads of fun. It's been so nice. I mean, I, again, trying to find different categories. I mean, things like movies are great because you can have different kinds of actors and yeah. and different kinds of genres and um, and stuff like that. But we're trying to find different ones to do um, with again awesome guests, and it's just been it's just been loads of fun because we've been we're, we're t- talking to people that we obviously never talked to before um talking to a lot of people in america we've got a lot of people who listen in america um and it's just been loads of fun i mean as we were saying again earlier on podcasting has to be fun yeah unless you're one of the the top one percent you know the joe rogans and uh all of the comedians that decided during during covid to uh start a podcast and you know they've got producers and and companies behind them to get them great guests or whatever it's a, it's a tough thing to do, especially if you've got a normal day to day job as well. Yeah. Um, but it's rewarding. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I I had to teach myself everything when it came to when the start of this. And back back ten years ago, it was a hell of a lot harder to to put a podcast yeah. up online than it is now. Now you can join a podcasting host company, and there will you literally type everything in, press send, and it all gets sent <laughs> everywhere back in the old days it was so much harder so it's it's when you'd have to email and be like i'm trying to upload this podcast like why wouldn't it upload it's like have you done it as a wow file what the fuck (laughs) is a wow file it was the the i mean when i started i'd I'd taken a redundancy from the job that i had and i had like i think it was literally like a month so the the studio i'm in used to just be our shed with lawnmower and tins of paint so i gutted it all 
put you know made it so that it was like a nice little area to have and this was where we had the guests came in and we did a, a a podcast called movie heaven and we did one called live at the shed which was a musical one so music guests would come in and play for us but it was i'd never laughed myself and neil we'd never laughed so much we did a thursday night sort of radio star show with characters and just just pissing about it's all <laughs> it was but it was so much fun and honestly it like i say that laughter has carried on for like nine years nearly 10 years and you meet so many great people yeah you know you, you get to meet like, people like yourself we would never have met if it wasn't for no for podcasting yeah, 100 you know and we live probably 15 miles away from each other we probably have met but <laughs> we probably have we probably have you've been probably one of those guys that goes up the escalator on the wrong way i don't know i don't know. so it's 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 a great and I've, anybody's ever said to me i've been thinking about doing a podcast i just say do it don't think about it just do it you will you won't regret it you'll have loads of headaches it'll be a pain in the ass it will take over your life it, it will know? make you pretty much no money so it, no if, money if you're whatsoever. getting into it for that it's i mean it's it's just a great way to catch up with your mate as well i mean the one i do with andy who was on the con air episode you listened to um that started just so we had an excuse to have a fucking chat every week or yeah. every couple of weeks just so we could say to our wives it's like you yeah, know it's for a podcast <laughs> like yeah right that makes it sound better <laughs> but that's the thing i mean back in so whenever it was what was it 2013 that we started yeah. 2016 um we tried to get tickets to be press at San Diego Comic-Con and we didn't get them. We, we, we just they didn't, you know, we applied and we never got the thing back. And I, and we said to each other, myself and Neil, we said, should we just go to LA anyway? Should we just like have a week in LA? And um, I said, I can say to my missus that it's a business trip. So, <laughs> so we ended up spending, oh, I don't know how much it was, but I think I put it all on the credit card anyway. And we ended up going to LA for a week. <laughs> And I remember saying to my wife, because my wife's not a big LA fan. She prefers like Florida. If we if yeah. we ever get a chance to go America, it's always like Disney World or whatever. So um, I said, yeah, yeah, um, Neil and I are gonna go to LA for a week, like you know, next year. She went, okay, all right, that's fine. Um, <laughs> she didn't she didn't like the fact that when I was there, the um, I ended up Pancast was the name of our podcast at the time because pavo and neil yeah and i ended up getting it i ended up getting a pancast tattoo <laughs> <laughs> um we were at hollywood boulevard we were waiting because we we'd been up all night and all day we went to go and see this guy picked us up in a red corvette like a roofless not a roofless what they call it topless topless yeah topless <laughs> topless corvette come on man it so, was boobs earlier <laughs> no i shouldn't have but this is a guy that we met online right so he could have been a fucking serial killer for all we knew <laughs> so it's like four o'clock in the morning in la he picks us up from our like motel um takes us to this bar in culver city so we are there at six in the morning watching liverpool versus tottenham no liverpool versus everton with a pint of cider and a donut with all the and it was the it was the headquarters of the liverpool fc uh la fan club right so it was like standing on the cop it was crazy it was like all these really mad mad liverpool fans i'm a liverpool fan neil unfortunately yeah. is a tottenham fan so you know he was sort of sat in the corner sort of but we went from that to then spending the rest of the day walking around hollywood um uh with the stars hollywood uh 
whatever it is, Hollywood Lane, whatever it is, Walk of Fame. Yeah. And we were waiting because we had to go, we were going to go and see Kevin Smith do his podcast, doing the Hollywood Babylon with, oh, um, awesome. with Ralph Garman. But they were also doing a, the live reading of one of their Batman 66 comics. Oh, cool. So just to go back a little bit, we went and saw them at Birmingham and we, we managed to get backstage and had a photograph with them. And we said, we're coming to LA to see your show. And they said, well, don't buy tickets. We'll, we'll pay for you to have your tickets. If you're coming all the way to LA to come and see the show, we'll pay for your tickets. Fucking excellent. Wow. Kevin Smith's going to buy our tickets. So we were waiting to go and we went past this, um, this tattoo artist and we both looked at each other and said, should we go and get a tattoo? Yeah, go on then. Let's get pancast. $150 that was. And that was done by the guy that did Britney Spears tattoo when she shaved her head, when she had a right. massive meltdown. Yeah. So big, massive guy, bass player for some death metal band, but lovely guy. We had a, so we were doing interviews with everybody we could meet while we were there. We had like a little zoom, uh, recorder. We get to the, the Kevin, we get to the Hollywood improv, no recollection. No, nobody there knows anything about free tickets for us. So I'm just about to slag Kevin Smith off on Twitter saying we've come all the way from fucking England. We have, and then the guy comes around. Oh yeah, actually I was looking at the wrong screen. Yeah. Where do you want to sit? So oh, we'll <laughs> sit, we'll sit right next to the stage gets in there. And I'd listen to, I don't know if you've ever listened to Hollywood Babylon or I did. I early into listening to podcasts. It was fat man on Batman, Hollywood Babylon, and yeah. a couple of the other ones. Um, I sell comics and that's Tell right. Steve Dave, which I must admit I've dropped off for some of the Kevin. I still love Kevin Smith, but yeah, Kevin Smith is like, incredibly important to me because i had a go at making a film in the summer of 2004 and it was the best summer of my life right. after wife and kids stuff yeah 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 um it was amazing and i will always uh love kevin smith for bringing that experience to me and right. making me realize that it was possible because it was yeah like discovering clerks and reading the um an askew view book and be like shit this is actually something you can do yeah it's like, so you know i put like a really expensive like four grand camera on the card and <laughs> That's the went way out with it. some people met some new people like cast actors and that and just spent a month making a film and you know it never went anywhere for various reasons but um, you can say that you did it That's the i thing. did it and it was it was the experience yeah yeah and well we got we got we might luckily obviously they found this email and we got in there um and I'd listen to the episodes where they do the read through of the, the comic yeah. books. And what he does is he gets a couple of members of the audience on the stage to be certain characters. So I knew that was coming. So I, th I, I was waiting for the moment and Kevin Smith. So he says, right, we need a Mr. Flam, the bank manager. And as soon as he said, Mr. I went, yeah, like that. He went, <laughs> he went fucking hell, this guy. So I got, I was on the stage of Hollywood improv. So this is a place where Eddie Murphy has been yeah. where, you know, all these famous with the red brick behind you, all these famous comedians of you know, Robin Williams have stood on that stage and I was being directed by Kevin Smith. <laughs> and it was amazing. like, you, unfortunately, you're not allowed to take your cameras in there. So I couldn't get any photos, but that I'm, I'm, I'm sure that episode of that podcast is still up. Um, but it's, it's behind his pay. He has a paywall now. So it's a bit of a pain in the ass, but it's like, why, what a start to this, this you know we, we i think i was up for like 36 hours in the end that first day <laughs> but just totally and, and in the end like i say 
did it was it a stupid whim to go and do that yes it was but we we met people that listened to our podcast over in america yeah. which was crazy um i i nearly shit myself in canters which is a famous restaurant i nearly shit myself in the car of two people that listened to our podcast <laughs> it was it could have been a massive mess but you nearly did a huge Jackman. I, I nearly <laughs> did a huge Jackman. That's what I nearly did. I could have, oh my Lord, it, it wouldn't have been painting the town red. It would have been painting the town brown. <laughs> so close. Um, but it's stories to tell. That's the thing. And that's all because of podcasting. So That's it. You know. like I say, it's, it's an amazing thing. Like I say, this, it's almost a cliche to be like, you know, a white man of a certain age to be going like, yeah, I've got a podcast. Like, yeah, yeah. he fucking has them. Exactly. But, I, I've always done it. I don't care. I occasionally look at the numbers just to see if they're going up. It's like we don't have like you know, we don't smash it with big numbers kind of thing. But I'm like you know, thirty people listen this week. That's fucking amazing. Well, they say they say if you get between, I think it's something like thirty and forty listens, an episode, you're in the top five percent of podcasts. Oh, cool because that because there there are like there are literally millions of podcasts and if you can and that's the way we've always said is if you can just carve out a little little niche for yourself get yourself um a really good loyal fan base as such it that that's that's all that matters because you like like you said you're not going to do joe rogan numbers it's not about doing that i, amount I don't of, want to do that <laughs> no no but at the same time like <laughs> we've had it where we've had people will say like your podcast helped us through the through the lockdown yeah you know your podcast when i was feeling down your podcast lifted me up and i'm you know forever grateful for things like that and we've had people that have unfortunately had people that have passed away so we'll do things like you know, we'll send them a bunch of flowers and stuff like that just little things like that yeah. that means so much to people you know we've got a patreon i think we've got 30 people on our patreon yeah but that's enough that's enough to cover what you have to pay for a month and that's it again the amount of people that like do two episodes and then whack out a patreon it's just stupidly priced stuff and it's like yeah why do it's it's ridiculous because i wouldn't i wouldn't go on a patreon for that i'd go on a patreon a quid couple of quid you know we do, we'll we'll do extra um episodes and video playlists and things like that it's it's you give them episodes early yeah all that kind of i think the 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 the, the, the biggest tier we have is like five pounds a month and you can come and be a guest on our podcast yeah as well for that so so you know no, that's cool. we, i mean your community engagement's amazing you made me realize that i need to start doing more like you know because I've always been, I don't like announcing what I'm going to be recording that night because something always goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, I'm recording this tonight with Pav, and then it's like either the internet dies or you're like, you know, shit, I'm about to take the wife to hospital. Or that's that's one of the things. I've always been one of those don't tempt fate kind of people. I but, know, and I know exactly where you're coming from with that. I've because... also realized because it's great when you do a. I don't always see him. I, I miss the one on the parody ones. I was like, shit. <laughs> so, yeah. But the thing is, is it's also it's the stuff that you don't see. I mean, um, normally my Sundays are taken up with editing the YouTube. We we do we put the episodes up on YouTube where they have photographs of what everybody's asked uh, uh, said as their number ten, nine, eight, whatever. Um, sort of little 
audio visual or visual visual bits but that takes time to to edit that together and to upload it it all takes time to do and it's all done in your spare time well, so, i say because you always naively think that editing will take as long as the podcast runs for <laughs> no it, it don't <laughs> god no it doesn't i started getting clever the, the early ones of these i have a theme tune at the beginning and i have a little bit of music at the end and then i started putting in the trailers for the film and i started putting in film clips and that that takes so fucking long yeah partly because you could spend so long editing the film clip down as well it's like i can't have two minutes of a film in. <laughs> and I've that's got the to thing. cut it down i'm cutting out so much good stuff <laughs> yeah because all of that work and then the thing is is that somebody will look at their device and go yeah and then just scroll past yeah. it and all that work that you've done it's it's like uh, but then I'll do the same thing for someone else's video. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'll look at a video and go, yeah, oh, okay, I'll just go on to the next one. And that's that's where it is. It's disposable, but that's what it's there for. I mean, it, it's a tricky thing saying with yours as well. You're going to have episodes that aren't going to appeal to people. Of course, absolutely. Um, or, you know, they've just got no interest in sport or whatever. No. That particular genre of music or film or whatever it is kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's all the risk. Same with this because we go spoilery on the films as well. I don't expect people to do them for films. You know, I've had a few people who've been kind of like, finally watched this film, so now I'm going to listen to the episode. It's like, that's awesome. I love yeah. that you've and gone to watch the film based off the back of it. What's great about yours as well is that you've got a structure, but then it's also you've got room to breathe, room yeah. to talk about other stuff, you know, which which is nice because it's nice to just chat. That's yeah. the thing. Well, There's nothing worse it... than a podcast where it's a guy reading questions off a thing or constantly steering a conversation back. Yeah. It's 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 nice to be able to because then in the end it is like somebody is just listening to two guys yeah. just having a chat. Yeah, that's know. what I said I wanted it to be was just like listening to two guys in a pub talking about a film they've just watched. Yeah. Or you know uh, but like a bit like when we were at school and you'd be like, Do you see Predator on ITV? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's yeah, that's that's exactly what it should be. Yeah. So yeah. And uh but yeah. No, that's also I mean, I'll put all the links in the show notes for where people can find the top 10 i do recommend people check it out. it's such an easy listen i mean that thank in you a, it always sounds like you're damning with faint praise with <laughs> yeah. easy listen but but it, i mean it's a real skill as well to it do. just literally falls into your ears that's what it does it's it's it one does. of those podcasts i'm like shit that's over already it's like shit yeah. they're at number one i know it's going to be or they're at number two i know we're coming to an end in a minute oh dear yeah well some of them i look at the the time on my my recorder and i think oh bloody hell we're at an hour and a half oh christ People, if people are enjoying it, they'll listen. Well, I think it's, I mean, like the, we, we we recorded one last week, top 10 70s songs, and that went on to like for like one hour 49. But I mean, I was listening, I was watching the video playlist that I put up to get uh, up with it, and I, God, there's some great songs on there. <laughs> you think, Jesus, there was just some great, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I think Neil's really enjoying it. So we're just yeah. keep going. It, it comes across in it as well. The, the genuine joy in your voice when you're like, that's my number seven as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh dear. And, yeah. and that you're still chasing the uh, everyone's got the same number one. <laughs> well, we are. Although I'm not gonna give any spoilers. No. Okay. Um but uh maybe if you listen to one of our latest episodes, there might be a bit of a change in that. Yeah. Is it say. the top ten films called Footloose? It's it's not unfortunately. <laughs> it's not unfortunately, but it is one that you've mentioned today. So oh, awesome! Yeah, so you have cool. to listen to that. Look forward to that. Yeah, awesome. Well, cheers for doing this, man. Just coming, I really enjoyed it. Um, Mate, it's been my pleasure. It's been nice to be a passenger for yeah. once. <laughs> 
Yeah, I apologise for all them trees I hit along the way. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Don't worry about it. I'll just leave a big dump in your passenger seat. <laughs> yeah. You and Jackman. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Cheers, man. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Yeah. That was The Greatest Showman. And why not? I'd like to thank Pav for joining me on this episode to talk about the film. Be sure to check out the Top 10 of Anything podcast wherever you get your podcasts, or I'll put the links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give the series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or wherever you listen to the episodes. And if you're feeling super generous, we'd be grateful of a rating if you have a second or two to spare. I mean, you don't have to. We're just grateful you listened at all. If you've missed any of the And Why Not episodes so far, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, or on our website at hauntednerds.com. And if you aren't already, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Or why not join the And Why Not group over on Facebook? Not only will you be kept up to date on episodes that are coming up and have a chance to contribute to them, but we also put our picks of three great movies to check out each week on Freeview TV. If you fancy joining us, just search And Why Not Pod on social media or check the links in the show notes. In the meantime, we'll be back in two weeks' time when I'll be joined by Helena Edwardson to kick off our spooky-tober by discussing the 1987 Joel Schumacher teen vampire classic, The Lost Boys. But until then, this has been a Nerds Who Haunted Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember, you don't need everyone to love you. Just a few good people. Bye for now. This is where you wanna be. It's everything you ever want. It's everything you ever need. And it's here right in front of you. This is where you wanna be. It's everything you ever want. It's everything you ever need. And it's here right in front of you.